This is a Wisdom from the Guides episode. From high atop the world headquarters of Southeastern Fly, this is the Southeastern Fly podcast. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Follow the podcast and you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. If you find value in the podcast, want to support the work we do, stop by the Southeastern Fly store at southeasternfly.com. Click on the store and pick up a hat or a shirt. There are numerous folks that have already made a purchase and... For that, we say thank you. That's what helps keep this podcast going. So who are our guests today on this Wisdom from the Guides episode? Our first guest is a saltwater guide, owns Chica Fly Charters, caters solely to women who want a saltwater fly fish, serves all levels of anglers in the Naples area. You can find her at chicaflycharters.com and at mangroveoutfitters.com. Please welcome Captain Christina Legutke. Christina. Hi, David. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. You can find her on Instagram and she goes by Stoney Legutke. So you can find her there. Our second guest, also Saltwater Guide. As you know, we we like to do these Wisdom from the Guides episodes and have at least two guides and me. Uh, the second guest is also a Saltwater Guide, owns Naples, Florida Fly Fishing, Angler's Addiction Guide Service services the Ever- Everglades and Naples areas and fishes quite a quite a list of places, but I'll go down them right quick. The Everglades National Park, 10,000 Islands National Wildlife Refu- Refuge, Naples Backcountry, Estero Bay, I think I might have that right, Pine Island Sound. Yeah, oh, great. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Legutke. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you for stopping by. Hey, y'all have the same last name. What's up with that? that. Huh. All right. So well, we're can, not brother and sister. Not brother and sister. <laughs> it just so happens that these two are are both guides, both saltwater guides, and both they're married to each other. So uh this this ought to be fun. Uh just like our <laughs> other it's <laughs> like our other episodes that uh where we have husband and wife, they can probably finish each other's sentences. So, so that'll be good. So I want to go through you guys and, and see, let the, let the folks know how this episode originated. We have a mutual friend and I have the, the fortune of fishing with most of her immediate family, uh, Stephanie spell. Uh, we have enjoyed middle Tennessee rivers together for sure. And we also ate our fair share of chocolate. That's kind of our big deal when they come to fish is we we all eat (laughs) chocolate. We all have a good time. So Chief Spell, this one's for you. All right. Well, let's roll. Let's see what's going on here. I'm anxious to to learn about your area. Uh, I've never been down that way, that far. I've never been down to, to Southwest Florida. Not yet anyway. It's definitely on my bucket list. I've got a friend. It's on his bucket list bucket list too so what i thought we would do is just just start off with me being landlocked and busy i've I've done my share fair share of salt water fishing so i kind of know a little bit mostly redfish a little bit of tarpon which apparently i suck at i must be pretty bad at it because i caught one yet um but anyway so i I really feel like i'm going to come down that way just just knowing stephanie and steve but when I come down there to to that area, how will I fish and what, what kind of fish will I be chasing? And I want to start with Christina first. Okay. So, yes, we are in southwest Florida on the Gulf Coast. 
And um, I fish right in town here where we live in Naples. And um, sometimes I'll head a little north to Estero Bay. I have that option. I also can head south and fish some flooded grass in the Everglades. But uh, I mostly fish Naples, typically chasing snook year-round, um, redfish, juvenile tarpon, um, occasional sheep's head. Sometimes we can go uh, offshore and fish for triple tail um, if it's calm. Uh-huh. Uh, but mostly snook year-round, different areas depending on the time of year. Sometimes it's in the mangroves and sometimes it's on the beach. That's kind of in a nutshell what our area has to offer. And, and are you chasing some of the, I know you probably chase big tarpon too, and everybody wants to do that, but do you chase any of the little tarpon, smaller tarpon, I guess, juvenile? Mm-hmm. Yes, because they are here pretty much year-round. We can find them in the summertime, rolling first thing in the morning, you know. So we're pretty lucky that we have those little guys to chase around all year. There are a ton of people, believe it or not, that everybody wants to catch that great big fish. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's a lot of people also that want to go catch, you know, the smaller, I'll call them smaller, not a 100-pound fish, you know, not even in probably a 50-pound right. fish. 50 and below, I guess, maybe would be. Something and I yeah, think, those are the fun ones. Yeah, that kind of makes me think that maybe you'll have a better shot at them. You know, maybe you're not standing out there all day waiting. Uh, that maybe you have right. more than, more than one shot. I guess maybe. Yes, for sure. Smaller ones are a lot more willing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, especially in our summer months, we really get to uh, start our days with them. Okay. All right. So you get a little practice with them then. Mm-hmm. Hey. Okay. All right. So Jeff, now I don't know, do you, do you go for the same fish that Christina does or do you, is your program a little bit different? It's pretty much the same thing, just a broader area. Okay. About how much, how much water do you think or area do you think you cover? Not in a day, but how much of a choice do you think you have from the areas that you cover? 150 miles. Oh, wow. Okay. Everywhere, pretty much from Pine Island down to halfway to Flamingo, Whitewater Bay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, I bounce around through the seasons. You know, uh, through the winter months, I like to be in the Everglades National Park. Uh, the summer months, I prefer being closer to the Naples area, the Pine Island, the Estero, the beaches. I prefer to site as much as possible. So I chase the best conditions, you know, through the year, depending on the weather. Okay. My drive to the river is about an hour and 10 minutes to one river, about an hour and 10 minutes to the other river, about two hours to another river, and then about an hour and a half to another river. So how much, how far are you driving pretty much every day? About the same in the car, and then equal amount in the boat sometimes. Okay. All right. Okay. So if you drive 30 minutes in the car, you're going to be 30 minutes in the boat, something like that. An hour in the car, and then an hour in the boat. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. So we got a pretty good idea now of of where y'all are (laughs) fishing out of. Uh, Yeah. Mine is much more compact. Is it? (laughs) Okay. Smaller area. Yeah. (laughs) So why why do y'all choose to go to different areas? 
I guess somebody's probably going to ask that of me. Jeff's just been doing this for a very long time. 23 (laughs) years now. Yes, and I am new. Ah, And part of the reason I stay in Naples is because this is my, this is where I grew up. This is where I'm comfortable. Okay. I love it here and there's fish here and I love to just show off where I live. It's pretty cool. That's a great idea. I wish there was yeah. a river running through my backyard. Although I I would never get anything done. So what am I saying? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah That's the great thing about having a wife that guides as well and loves the same passion as you do. You get to get away with a little bit, push towards off to mm-hmm. the side if the weather's nice. <laughs> I'm understanding. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I might need to look into that. My wife, <laughs> although my wife has put up with me doing this for Gosh, 15 years now, I guess, of being gone. Oh, she's a keeper. Yeah, she is. She is. I don't know how the heck she chose me, but whatever. Glad she did. <laughs> but, <laughs> so if, if I had a river in my backyard, and just like, you know, everybody else, you, everywhere we fish, matching the hatch, it, it's a big deal in, in, in freshwater. But I just got back from Louisiana a couple, I guess a couple weeks ago now, and also, it's kind of a big deal in the salt. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a difference between the between the two. Uh, so, freshwater it's like bugs and terrestrials. Sometime bait fish, saltwater it's more crustacean bait fish. But also, when we were in Louisiana, mm-hmm. we got into a worm hatch down there that was I think it was oyster worms, and they were about mm-hmm. uh, maybe a quarter inch long and about the size of a pencil lead, and they were absolutely everywhere and all the fish migrated to them which is really cool but and let's start with jeff on this one i want to know what types of food do you do the fish you chase eat and what flies do you tie to imitate that food uh you have it correct i mean it's pretty much you know all thin fish crabs and shrimp the waters that we fish down here are very tanning they're very dark so a lot of our flies our mother style pushy flies and a lot of times the flies I choose is for the angler himself to be able to see in order to know when he gets a bite from the fish. Okay. So a lot of it could be, you know, a, a big flashy streamer style flies for our typical streamer fishing. If we have a cleaner than normal uh, conditions winter time where we can fish smaller patterns like the shrimp patterns, the crab patterns, and where we're literally sight fishing and fishing the fish to their behavior. You, you know what? You threw me off with the tannic water. I was not expecting that at all. I was <laughs> expecting clear, uh, see the no, bottom, it, 10 foot, all it's that. very southern tea colored. Well, but know. it can be clear. It's dark. <laughs> just dark. A lot of the bottoms are chocolate brown. You know, so a lot of times, once again, it, it's hard to see the fish. Oh. The, the fish come up and they kind of just surprise us um, oh. to where we might see the flash of their gills when they eat the fly. So I, I need a big enough fly for my anglers to be able to see, to notify themselves when the fish come up and eat it. 
So when the fly's gone, you know it's been eaten and you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Something I say all the time, dude, you can't see the flies down their throat. <laughs> <laughs> Our fish eat a little different. Th- that's when they trout set, right? No, yeah, gosh, that's yeah. usually what comes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like the, the first, first rule I tell people on boat is, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to take ninety percent of the time. Yeah, the fish are coming up. They're eating our fly, coming forward, creating slack. And this is why the trout that's no good for us down here. We need a long strip strike in uh, order to beat their forward momentum and to set the hook. Right. Right. Okay. So where's this tannic water coming from? Is it coming out of a particular river? It's pretty much you know the standing rainwaters and canals that drain into the salt water. It gets tanned from the cypress trees and the mangrove trees and the runoff, and it it turns tan. Gotcha. Okay. Amongst the mangroves. Okay. Now that makes sense. Okay. I just never thought of that. That's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. So tannic water, no trout set, got a strip stripe because they're <laughs> eating coming forward. So pretty mm-hmm. much, other than the tannic water, it's pretty much like most other um, salt water. Most other saltwater, not all, but most other saltwater fishing. It's unique in its own way. It, so there are probably some little tips that that you give to say, "Hey, this is going to happen. You need to do this a little different, maybe uh, than than what you would do." And say, "And I'm just going to lose use Louisiana because I just got back from there." Mm-hmm. A little bit different than that, then. Yeah, extremely different. Oh, okay. You know, when you're in Louisiana, the water color is very similar. Uh huh. You know, it's that dark water. You know, except you know, in Louisiana, the fish eat really well. Right. <laughs> I, I think Louisiana is the last place where you actually go catching instead of having to go fishing. <laughs> yes. Here it's a lot tougher. A, a lot of people come down. You know, thinking that they're just going to be able to, you know, cast their fly out 30, 40 feet and the fish is going to swim over and eat it. And <laughs> it's just not how it works down here. It's a lot like hunting. You know, we have to see our target. We have to make that perfect cast to them. And we have to move our fly the particular way that we're trying to mimic, whether it be a fish, a shrimp, or a crab. And, you know, we only get so many opportunities before they disappear be it underneath the mangrove or just out of our visibility. And just like it's hard for us to see the fish at times, it's hard for the fish to see the fly. So if the fly is delivered three feet away from the fish, he has no idea you're there. Or you need to be a lot more accurate and must get closer to the fish and across his path and try to trigger the strike. It, it, it's different than what most clients think when they go fishing. Okay. A lot of people come down and kind of get a little humbled because they, they don't understand that the fish won't move over to come and eat the food. We so, have to deliver the food to them more or less. The fish are lazy, I guess. You can look at it like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. So what do you think your what what distance is your most asked for cast out of an angler? Do you think, Jeff? Honestly, God, I mean, if a, if a per person could make anywhere between it, 
a proper 25 and 50 foot cast, you could pretty much catch everything. But, you know, when I say a proper cast, it's to lay out perfectly straight. Yeah, right. You can't right. fall over backwards or collapse to the left or the right. You know, it's just you're missing your target. Yeah, I did a cast. And, you know, a, a big thing here uh, that our quarry is pretty much hanging underneath trees. So, like, the traditional overhand cast that everybody does, it, it doesn't work very well to where we ask our people to cast more sidearm, like you're skipping a stone. Uh-huh. So you can get underneath the branches to present to the fish, mm-hmm. and that's a big one that people, you know, aren't accustomed to doing because you know just a different, unique kind of fishery down here. You know, people in a drift boat that do a sidearm cast usually get in trouble mm-hmm. um, <laughs> from their from their fishing buddy, and you know, the guys looking for a a helmet to put on too, but yeah. So I, uh-huh. I, I totally understand what you're saying there. <laughs> the The funny thing is, is you hear about these saltwater casts that are, you know, Oh, we cast the whole fly line, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think yeah. what I'm finding more is more of is, you know, like you say, 20 to 50 feet. It's, it's like, it's almost in most instances that I've been in, it's hard to see anything any further out, you know, you just, I mean, you might mm-hmm. see something happening, but you don't really see those fish. The first time I fished for tarpon, I got this big, long lecture, got to cast 60 feet. You know, it's windy, it's dark, it's, it's, you know, a storm was blowing in. So I, you know, wound up, did my, did my long cast, it laid out pretty straight and I got it back in the boat and was setting myself back up and he goes right under your feet, right under the rod tip, just drop it, drop it, drop it. So I was like, dude, you, I'm, I'm looking way out there, and you're saying drop it right under them. This this fish came right <laughs> under the bow, and right mm-hmm. out right out my feet. I was like, dang it, dude. He said, well, that yeah, proves me happens. wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I think you have to be ready for anything. But as as we as I'm finding out more and more, it just feels like maybe some shorter, more on target shot. I'm. I, just like just like here, I'm looking yeah. for somebody that can hit a target, whatever that target is. It may be a leaf or a bubble or a sticker, you know, a point, right. something like that. But that that target, hitting that target to me is more important. And that's what I'm finding out in salt water. So uh, I say mm-hmm. that for the folks that are thinking, well, maybe I want to go salt water, but it really sounds real hard. It's not easy, don't get me wrong. But you can you can carry a lot of stuff that you've learned in freshwater to salt. Uh, and with the help of a guide, you can they can they can coach you in there and get you, you know, kind of where you need to be at, and you don't have to, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to strain your back to get there. Usually, now sometimes yeah. you will, but not off. Not every shot is going to be <laughs> like that. So, Christina, let's talk about your area, which is it feels like is a little further north, maybe, of where Jeff fishes. Yeah. So, what about you? So, what types of food do you do? The fish that you chase. What do they eat? What kind of flies do you tie? It's it's very similar to what Jeff does. Um, a lot of bait fish patterns, just depending on water quality that day, if it's clear or dirty, that will just determine the color of the fly. Um, we both tie very simple flies. You know, nothing too crazy. It's all about Jeff. You know, pretty much taught me. It's all. It's more about the silhouette, making sure that the fly moves well. 
using materials that work well together. I also like to use a lot of shrimp patterns and crab patterns, sometimes just depending on how you, how you may want to fish that fish, even. If you get you know, sick sometimes of throwing a bait fish pattern, say, hey, let's try a crab. Let's slide it on the bottom. Let's feed him another way. That can be fun, too. So. So what types of materials, and I'll just throw this question out. This is a little bit off of what we had talked about earlier, but what types of materials do y'all kind of like, like the best? Jeff mm. uses a lot of ostrich, deer hair. I use a lot of craft fur, brush. I mean, we both do. Yeah. My, you know, all supple natural materials. You know, like the rabbit strips, the uh, ostrich is a good one. Crafter is a good one. Plots that we can, you know, tan material that move real easy with very little movement. With the rabbit strips, you can foul proof them. That's pretty nice. So when somebody stops pulling on them, they're still moving just a little bit then if they're easy. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I was talking about earlier how our fish hang underneath the canopy, our calf is only about 10 feet successful as far as our strike zone is very short. So I need to be able to make a fly that has a lot of movement without pulling it through the zone too quick. Oh, okay. I got you. Makes total sense. It's like, you know, teasing the cat with a string. Uh-huh. You know, I have to just keep it right there and entice them into eating it. Right. So just off of their, just off their nose, maybe get them moving. Yeah, and then literally. Is that, yes. That's kind of what it's like. It, it can be humbling, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's extremely exciting when you can see the fish, you know, with your eyes right there, you know, like we were talking 25 feet away from their boat. So it, it's pretty exciting being, the fish come over and travel and get excited and eat your fly. There's really nothing like that, is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's and, all and, I want to do. Yeah. And, and 25 feet for those listening, 25 feet is really only three, three rod lengths. I mean, it's not that far, yeah. which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And one of the redfish that I had a shot at a couple of weeks ago was he came across some sand, like running up the, the edge of the bank. I made a, I didn't fish well the whole time I was down there. I didn't feel like I did anyway. We caught some fish. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't, I wasn't on target. I guess I hadn't fished enough this year, but uh, he came probably, probably two rod lakes to eat. Uh, and he mm-hmm. ate the fly. He picked it up and took off with it. And I set the hook. I didn't, I didn't trout set. I promise. And he just turned loose. And I was like, dang, that everything happened except for the, you know, the, the sticking him, that was all, that's all the only thing I, I lacked, but that, that was actually one of the highlights, even though I didn't catch the fish was one of the highlights of the weekend for me or the, 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 the few days we were down there for me, because I watched it. I saw him coming. We got in position. We were, we intercepted him. He came, he ate a, what was basically a crappy cast and ate, And you know, all that was, so I get what you're saying. That's a great, I mean, I could do that all day long, every day. Right. That's the excitement. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something to, something to behold whenever you get into it. So you're, 
your flies, you want them to move when you're not moving them, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I've been actually slowing down in freshwater too, to for that same purpose. Whenever I'm fishing, some, or when I have people, folks fishing streamers, so so yeah, all that totally makes <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> so my outlook on fly fishing is varied, but it's positive. And most of the folks I, I fish with are, are cool people. You you meet very few jerks, honestly. And when I travel, <laughs> same thing. I mean, it's I, I meet cool people that that I enjoy talking to. So our fly rods, and I've said this before, our fly rods take us so many fantastic places that mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that I would go near the places that I go. If it wasn't, I know I wouldn't, if it wasn't for the fly rod, but so looking at it from that perspective, what do you think it is about the water that you fish that you want to show friends and customers and clients, of course, and generally speaking, what do people seem to enjoy most about your water? And let's, let's start with Christina and then, then we'll go back to Jeff. So our area where we live, Naples in particular, it's very beautiful and manicured. People are just really blown away at how pristine everything looks. Our water does change color with the tide too. So you can be fishing darker brown in the morning and then clear or clear green water in the afternoon, hours later. There's times of the year where our water looks like the Bahamas. It's you know beautiful, clean turquoise color, white sand. Then you've got the backwater and the mangroves, they offer such a different look. And they've got their own beauty. The, the wildlife, the serenity that our water offers is just, I think, what people enjoy the most. All the, the birds and the dolphins. and You get to see so many things other than just fish. How about, how about the sharks? Oh, yeah. We shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and people seem to enjoy seeing them. I, I enjoy seeing them, and I threw it one one time. It was, it was pretty – it was big. I was <laughs> – Stunned at how fast it moved. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, actually, like, whoa, a, a lot just happened in that two second period there. Oh, uh, yeah. fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was, it, like I say, it was pretty big. It was, uh, yeah, I've, I've done the spinner shark thing. That was fun. Yeah. Mm. Very fun. <laughs> Love yeah. that game. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was fun. But the, the, probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Was I was at the beach and I wasn't fly fishing. I was just this was a long time ago, but I was standing on the on the beach down about probably I don't know knee high water, and it was clear. There was there were really no waves, and I was throwing out to this to the first sandbar, just fishing shrimp or or something like that or whatever. I I don't remember what exactly I had. Probably shrimp if I know me. And I was throwing out to the first sandbar and, you know, catch, catching whatever, catfish and whiting and all that stuff. And I saw this shark, and it was probably six foot, something like that. And it was cruising between the beach and the first sandbar, and I saw it coming from a long way because it was, it was so dead. I guess I just temporarily lost my mind, but it got kind of close to me, probably eh, maybe 10 foot from me. It was just cruising. It didn't uh-huh. even, I don't even think it knew I was on the planet, honestly. And I thought, well, I'll stomp my foot and make it leave. So I stomped my foot. When it did, it turned toward me first, to which I, I 
I probably yelled out some things that I wouldn't want my kids kids to hear. And then all of a sudden it turned back out and it was across that sandbar. I promise you. So fast. Within a second, it was gone, like completely. Yeah. But boy, when it turned toward me, I was like, holy Toledo, this is not, that was not a good plan. So that I, I enjoy that type of wildlife tarpon fishing. I've, I've seen big hammerheads and stuff like that. It's just, and, and huge rays, small rays, all that stuff. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to see in salt water when you can, when you can see, uh, and, and of course dolphins. I mean, I don't think anybody ever gets, I don't think anybody ever gets tired of seeing them unless you're trying to catch fish uh, for mm-hmm. long periods of time. But so Jeff, what about you? What do you what do you think you like to show friends and customers and clients uh, whenever yeah, you I think the draws a lot of the clients down here is uh, you know, all the protection we have here with the ten thousand islands. No matter what the weather's doing, on you know we we can pretty much fish every day of the year. If the wind's on thirty miles an hour, we can still find like without glassy waters. So, you know, as a lot of the traveling fishermen know, a lot of the saltwater destinations tend to be extremely windy. And here we have uh, the benefit of having all the islands fishing the shoreline to where we're never fighting the winds. Oh, okay. So it's always the same step when the people book their trips down here through the wintertime, you know, that they'll be able to get there and, and go fishing instead of having to cancel due to you know, your typical cold front coming through once a week in the wintertime. So you can still find a place to fish. Absolutely. Okay. Makes total sense. Total sense. So what, what will, what will folks see when they come down there? Is it kind of the same thing that Christina mentioned or is it something maybe a little different? The Everglades is prettier. Yeah. In a different way. It, It is different. I have everything Christina has. But as well as uh, it, it, it touches deeper into the freshwater side, so where we have a lot of alligators, and you know we can be fishing for the saltwater species next to some of the freshwater species where they merge together. You know we see crocodiles from time to time, like Christy was saying, how you could be fishing the crystal clear waters off the beaches. You know you could run inside uh, inland. 30 minutes and be in the tannin waters along with the alligators and the herons and bass, stuff like that. Nice. Uh, a little bit of everything. So your freshwater species, what are, what are the, what is that mostly going to be? You know, typically we'll see like a lot of the spotted gar, largemouth bass, cichlids, uh, pretty much fish we'll see virgin. You'll see the month they'll start to merge but that's about, the few species that we see mixing with the salt. I could catch a large mouth in the morning and a snook in the afternoon. Possible to catch them side by side. Oh, okay. That is variety right there. And that's mm-hmm. more, would that be more in the Everglades? Yes, sir. Okay. Gotcha. All right. As you can tell, I haven't been down there. So I'm like kind of mm-hmm. trying to feel my way through the questions <laughs> here and thinking, all right, what it, now it's and everything every time y'all talk i'm like oh that could be i think i might want to go down there so. it, it's a giant area it, the diversity is unmatched you yeah. know we, we're pretty blessed we we have a like christina's saying a year-round fishery 
you know, we're blessed with all the protections. We have the availability to go every day and have choices to do different things. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, the more I, more I listen to y'all, the more I do want to come down there. Okay. So another bucket mm-hmm. list there. Absolutely. So if I do come down there, so, so most of, I think, uh, from the listeners that, that I, I have conversations with anyway, I think most of them would need to travel to Southwest Florida. I don't think all, there's probably not a large population down there. And I don't, I guess I would assume, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume your client list is maybe more traveling anglers. Would that be fair? For sure. Absolutely. Okay. So Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and then I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with, with Christina here, but so tell us what we should expect when we show up to fish your area of South Florida. What is a day on the water like? Uh, you know, we should start on daybreak. Running on the sun comes up. Typically, every morning looks like a sheet of glass out there. Depending on where we're choosing to fish that day, you know, sometimes we'll take, you know, 45-minute boat ride, you know, watching a lot of the birds leave the roost first thing in the morning. He's the only person out there. It's, it's as quiet as could be. A, a lot of the stream fishing, very similar to the bass fishing. We're throwing streamers up against the mangroves, starting our day off, looking for some kind of sign, the fish feeding, popping, tailing, and, you know, playing the conditions. So it could vary as to where we, did, where we would go, what we would do, and that sort of thing. Every day is different. <laughs> yeah. Well, Every day is different. It sure is, isn't it? It's not like you, it's not like two days in a row are going to be the same. It just, it just isn't. So Christina, how about you? What do you, or what should we expect whenever we show up to fish with you? Well, you can expect it to be fun. Okay. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> I typically start my day meeting at the boat ramp around 6.30 or 7.00. We ride out to our first spot, fish a shoreline as the sun is coming up. Can't see fish um, in the water that early, so we're usually just blind casting. Sometimes you'll see a little tail kick up or you're looking for wakes pushing. As the sun gets higher and we can see a little bit better, we start moving shoreline to shoreline looking for sight casting opportunities. So, and it it really depends on the angler. You, um, Sometimes I have a, a seasoned angler and they want to just fish hard all day. And then sometimes I get a newer caster that just wants to work on improving their skills. So we'll just work the mangroves, practice casting. And if a fish is caught, great, that's a bonus. But, um, you know, we usually end the day by about 2 o'clock, head back to the dock and call it a day. It's, it's hard, you know, and you don't always catch them. But if you learn something, you had a great time, and that's all that really matters. It feels like if you make enough good shots at mangrove, something's going to eat. I mean, I know it's not always that way. Usually. That, that feels like just a, I mean, from what I've seen, it feels like it would be somewhat productive if you could just get the cast in, you know, back in there where the fish might be laying. Cause I don't, they don't really we get nice surprises sometimes just blind casting, you know, you'll yeah. get a, a snook that comes out that's, you know, out of nowhere. And um, eat awesome. your fly, and you know, especially for a newer person, that's that's great. That's awesome. 
Oh yeah, I still get excited about those. You know? <laughs> I was going to say for older person, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> hey, right. Right. Oh yeah, because you you see, it's been a while since I've. I guess it's been a while since I've watched much TV, honestly. But you know, some of the fishing shows that you see, they're they're casting in, into the trying to get it in the mangroves just a little bit, or trying to get it in that little pocket here and there, and. To me, I'm like, that would be a good challenge. And then you'll see the big fish blow up. Now, I don't know how many days they were down, wherever they were, mm-hmm. trying to catch that fish. Of course, on YouTube, every cast pretty much produces a fish. So it's mm-hmm. definitely different than what it is if you're sitting, you know, in front of a computer, in front of a TV, watching it. And I get that. But right. if it happens two or three times a day, it seems like, okay, that'd be a great day. But Correct. right. Yeah. So yeah now the more we talk the more i'm wanting to book a flight so where would i book a flight to and i'm we would be coming from nashville but our listeners are we're we're very fortunate to have listeners all over the world actually but our the majority of them come from the southeast so they would be leaving like little rock or or louisville or nashville atlanta birmingham charlotte those areas where would we fly into to get to y'all uh, Fort Myers Airport. Okay. And I think that, okay, I believe, I'm a big believer in one, you know, direct one-way flights, no stops, nothing like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah, I believe there's one down to Fort Myers. I'm almost positive that uh, maybe Southwest goes down from It's Nashville. a great airport. Yes, it is. That's See, that's good. That's the kind of things that I think sometimes make a trip. Uh, you know, not a lot of. You know, not like hey. trying to, yeah, yeah, not trying to fly into LAX or, or into oh, or right. something, you know, something Miami something. International. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's yeah. a little more laid back, maybe. So yeah. good airports are, are smart or good. And, and then rental cars, I guess, is the rental car, or do you know? I don't know if you know, but is the rental Everything car, is, is it yeah. in the airport no, or do you have to get a bus to it, go to it? No, no, everything's right there. Oh, nice. Okay, all right, that's cool. Yeah, because <laughs> believe it or not, well, no, like everything's then, very convenient. Yeah, <laughs> Southwest, Southwest Florida is right. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's so, a very big destination. So, I mean, everything's right there at your fingertips. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, like Denver, you got to get on a bus, go get your rental car. Yeah, it's not complicated like that. Yeah, no. pay the toll roads, all that stuff. Much like easier. Cool. So do you go when you're traveling? I guess this one may be more for Jeff, but do you go, forgive me, I don't remember the name of the road that goes across South Florida. Uh, My uh, Tamiami Trail? Yeah. Are you on it at all or is that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's part of the office. Okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. And then, then... Uh, Christina, you said you go more for the smaller tarpon. Uh, and I'm going to back yes, up. Yes, I am. Yeah. Jeff is the big tarpon guy. I am the little tarpon girl. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're only, you only cater to, to the female angler. Is that right? To women. That to is women. correct. Okay. I saw a little niche there that was kind of needed. And I didn't want to be crazy busy either. So this allows me just to take women out, get to know them, show them a good time, and maybe catch some fish. 
See, and some folks are, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want it to sound wrong, so so give me just a minute to to lay this out there. A lot, a whole lot of my anglers that I, I fish with are, fem- are ladies. I think Morgan's a prime example. But I guess I've never seen that, like, a lady angler being any different other than they listen a heck of a lot better than the, the dudes do. <laughs> And I've got a daughter. My that, husband can vouch for that. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. But I've never seen them being any different because I guess, well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one is because like uh, up here, we've got like Susan Thrasher, we've got Charity Rudder, we've got Wanda Taylor uh, and they, they're outstanding. All of them are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then I taught my daughter going off of, well, if, you know, they do it, there's no reason why you can't do it. And I've taught some, some younger men, younger boys to do it. And, uh, I just, I haven't seen the, any reason for me not to try to, to work with, with both. But I also know that right. sometimes it's a little uncomfortable for a lady or a couple ladies or whatever to get in the boat with a dude, you know, it's just mm-hmm. until they get to know you and understand that. All right. David just wants me to catch a whole lot of fish. That's all David wants to do. But I, so I get where they're coming from, but I haven't really seen myself and I hope I'm not that way. I haven't seen myself of, of treating them any different other than, like I said, is they're right. a whole lot easier to, to work with because they listen to what you say. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh it so, your spouse. Yes. Well, yeah, I would never, <laughs> never, never try that. Reason I started this. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. And I, I had told, I, I was talking to, and, and I don't know if y'all know Susan Thrasher or not. She's, she's a good friend. I told her, I said, my wife doesn't want to fly fish, but when she said the first time that she says she does, I'm bringing her straight to you and dropping her off because I know I am not built for that, and I know she's not built for listening to me. Uh, trying to give her orders. So, yeah, definitely. Well, that's how we found out, you know, for Christina's business. You know, she was helping the local fly shop out, teaching, you know, ladies fly casting. And all the girls said that to her. You know, they, they all wanted to learn, but they, you know, they just argued with their husband trying to learn from him. <laughs> and then they were intimidated to go learn from a man. And now that, you know, she sees this movement. So the know, idea was you, born. The idea was born and off she goes. So it's not, un, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that someone could get in a, get on a plane from wherever, Charlotte, let's say, fly down mm-hmm. to Fort Myers, get in a car, come down, learn from Christina, fish with Christina, even in one day or two or whatever. Yeah. You get back on the plane and go back home, and we'll have learned a ton. I would from, and I'm going, I'm going by what Stephanie says. So that's not a reasonable thing. That would be a great long not weekend, or yeah, okay. Like there are some some ladies that listen to this podcast too, and I want to oh, make yeah. sure. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's ladies that are doing that with me now. Are there? Okay, yeah. I want to make sure that we cater them to them as well. Um, I don't have any kind of ratio or quota or anything like that. I just like to talk to cool people. So that's, uh, that's how we built this thing. Well, let's move on to the, we asked this question of everyone. Mm-hmm. So what I think I'm going to do is start with Christina on this one. 
and then we'll go to Jeff. And I, I, I don't know, maybe your answers will be the same, but I think they'll be very different. So what is the one question that I didn't ask about fishing Southwest Florida that I should have asked? So I know our answers, our answers will be different because I'm going to take this in kind of another direction instead of doing like a, a tip or tidbit of info. Um, I kind of wanted to just address the water quality, uh, specifically here in Southwest Florida. It's just a good opportunity to discuss what everybody's seeing on the news or social media about our water issues, uh, red tide, and, you know, our battles with it over the years and what is happening currently. And we've always had red tide. It is naturally occurring, but it has noticeably gotten worse and more frequent. But, you know, luckily we have the amazing team at Captains for Clean Water. They're in a fight for this whole area, and they've made a ton of progress in getting a lot of people aware and involved. The education, you know, provides a lot of people an opportunity to support the cause. So what I don't want to happen is people in other states to be reluctant to come here when we have it. You know, yes, there's dead fish, coughing, but it is spotty, and you can always find areas that it hasn't affected but you know hiring a good guide will ensure you a good day and um they'll know where to find happy fish so i just don't want people to be discouraged from coming here and fishing because i know you know everybody sees it on social media and the news and it's just it's something that we have to navigate through but you've had to navigate it more than the last couple of years, probably. I would oh, think. yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. remember in, oh, I want to say 19 in the 90s. I'm dating myself, but that's okay. I remember it being up around the panhandle of Florida some. So I, it's not something that hasn't occurred. I don't know. 1990s was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, probably. Yeah, about 25 years ago is when it was that I was down there wanting to fish. It was there. No, it wasn't there. I'm sorry, it wasn't there. It was. It had just left there. Not a lot of fish were biting, to say the least, but the beaches were pretty clean. So I just I just kind of missed it is all. Or it moved up or down the coast. I don't know. Yeah, you see things on social media and you think, oh, well, I can't go there because it's it's there and it's, it's you know, probably all up and down the coast. And that's just simply Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I get where you're coming from. Which it is, but it's also spotty. Yeah. It's not like it's it's not solid from, you know, your area all the way anywhere. It's there's there's breaks in it, I guess, like you say, spotty. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you hear about social media or this on social media and and you get it in your head that it's there and it's gonna be there when really it's not. So that makes total sense, Christina. And I'm glad you cleared that up because that that will could change someone's plans correct yeah i just don't want it to discourage anybody yeah so jeff how about you what's the one question that i didn't ask that that we should have asked about fishing your area i guess you know the good thing to say is like you know try to do a little bit of research you know so you kind of understand uh what you're signing up for you know as far as your casting and whatnot you know, just see how they do it differently. You know, a lot of the sidearm casting. Just, I, I, I would say, you know, the biggest hurdle when people come down here is the casting aspect. Back this up before you come. 
That would be the best advice I could give. You know, I, I see it every day. People will always say to me, well, I, I just didn't know. Uh, I didn't know we had to do this or we had to do that. It, it amazes me how much I teach to people every day because just other fisheries are, are just a little different as far as your uh, casting demands to where the fish are. I guess that would be the one thing. So your, your sidearm cast up into mm-hmm. hit, hitting a pipe yes, underneath branches yes, and sir. stuff like that. Seems like, yeah, like that would be the, the ticket at least to get you in the area anyway. Yeah, I just tell people it's a lot like bass fishing. You know, you're skipping it underneath the dock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, my dad crappie fishes with a, with a regular rod, and he bow and arrow casts, although he calls it something different, underneath underneath the docks. And he took me one time, and I did it too. I, I wasn't near as good as he was. He's He's been doing it for years, but he'll pull the little crappie jig back get the right amount of tension and just skip it up underneath the docks. Like you're talking about it just, he catches a snot out of fish. Yeah. It, they can make the difference of catching and fishing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And his is the same way. Like he'll catch it. I'll, I'll, I would cast in there and I haven't been with him in a couple of years, but I would cast in there. There's nothing in there. He might skip it two foot further back toward the bank underneath the dock, you know, and pull out a slab that, that, uh, <laughs> that I never would have known was even there. So it, Feels like feels like it's the same way. Would that be fair? It's very similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. And is there a good you talking you were talking about research. Is there a good place online to watch you that know, cast? A lot of times I I have had people tell me there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can watch and just kind of have an idea of what you're going to be doing before you go. Just like every golfer, you know, he goes to the driving range before he goes to play golf. And, you know, the, the guys who practice before they come down, you know, they if they kind of watch maybe some of the tipping TV shows or the, the little videos and kind of have an idea what they're, you know, what kind of fishing they're going to be doing, they can practice up and take advantage of the day. Yeah, and then, then when they get on the boat, you can dial them in a little bit better that way. It does help. I, I can't stress enough how much it helps to, to practice. It, it really makes a big difference in the day of fishing down here. You know, yeah. the fish are spoiled. They're lazy. You know, <laughs> like sometimes I'll tell my clients, you know, I'll give them the analogy of, you know, the fish are fat. They're full. You know, they just got done from eating Thanksgiving dinner and they're sitting on the couch and then we're watching their football game. And the wife is asking, do you want a piece of pumpkin pie? <laughs> and, the, you know, he's like, nah, I don't feel like getting off the couch to come and get it. <laughs> well, what if I bring the pie to you? Sure, I'll take it then. <laughs> it's a great you know, analogy. <laughs> that's pretty much the thought of how we have to offer our flies to the fish. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So so speaking of, of food for fish, let's move on to something near and dear to my heart. What is, What is the best food down there that y'all would so if somebody was coming in that you haven't seen or maybe you've done a podcast with and they were going to visit, where would you take them to eat and what would they be? Oh, that's personal choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We have endless options. Do you? Okay. Yeah, it depends on if they're going to be in Naples or if they want to do the Everglades City thing. Yeah, if you're in Naples, you have endless options. Everglades City, there's a lot of fried food. 
Oh, good. Okay. All right, Christina, let's go with you first in Naples and then we'll, we'll hit, hit Everglades city. Give me just I'm a, a barbecue girl. So, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, we've got a good barbecue industry. Barbecue is like, it's my favorite because we get the, the platter for two. It's, uh, I, I think we get like three different meats, three different sides and oh, wow. whole sort of just thrown together. It's just amazing. It's the best barbecue in town. I love it. Oh, that sounds awesome. We did. a. Mm-hmm. I actually just dropped a question. Uh, so Southern Living did a best barbecue in each state. I was looking for that to see what it said in Florida. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Uh, let's see if it's all right. The South's best barbecue. Let's see what it says for Florida here. Okay. It says West Palm Beach, Tropical Smokehouse. Yeah, that's a couple hours away. Yeah, Southern Living gets things right sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes they don't. Sometimes. So this, what did, what did you say the name of it was, Christina? Industry Barbecue. Industry Barbecue. Okay, I'm making notes. That's why I asked that. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's That's our personal favorite. If okay. we just want an easy night and quick, good meal, that's where it's at. And that's that's another thing I found that that we all know where the best food is in our area, depending on what you want. So that's how I like to go whenever we go somewhere. We I like to taste the food that way. So hey, you know what's what's the best? What's the best? What do you like? You know, and eventually uh, you'll get to somewhere that's really really good. So that's what this sounds like. So Jeff, how about in Everglades City? Uh, I would say the Camellia Street Grill or the Havana Cafe. All right. What are those like? They're little tiny, you know, little personal restaurants, mom and pop places. The Havana Cafes, homemade Cuban food, great Cuban sandwiches there. Uh, the Camellia Street Grill, a lot of like homemade grandma's style food, good, healthy Southern cooking. Oh, uh, I probably shouldn't use the word healthy. I should probably say tasty. <laughs> no, you you explained it perfectly. I knew exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for example, she used to have, she might still have them, uh, these pretzel sliders, which she would make these homemade pretzel buns, cut them in half, and she would pull the meat off of baby back ribs and some kind of homemade barbecue sauce oh and gosh. serve it up with, you know, shoestring onion fries oh. and they were phenomenal dang okay is that and that's in everglades yeah. city you said yes sir okay well all right i've got my notes right here <laughs> that sounds really good i love i love <laughs> a good pretzel too oh that sounds really good well what do y'all say we wrap this thing up now that i'm hungry again i just ate by the way what do y'all say we wrap this thing up? Sure. All right. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your fishing partners. Subscribe or follow so you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. If you found value in this podcast and want to support the work we do, drop by the Southeastern Fly store at southeasternfly.com and just make a purchase of a t-shirt or a hat. So let me remind you who our guests were today. Our first guest, Christina, owns Chica Fly Outfitters. Cater solely to other women who want to saltwater fly fish, which I think is really cool. 
serves all level, levels of anglers in the Naples area. You can find her at chickaflycharters.com and at mangroveoutfitters.com. Christina, Captain Christina Ligutke, thank you for stopping by, <laughs> Christina. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for helping us set this thing up and, and wrangling Jeff into it and twisting his arm to get his to come on. Absolutely. Come on here with That's us. what a wife does. <laughs> right. It was a pleasure. Good, good. I'm J- Jeff, I'm really glad. Jeff owns Naples Fly, Naples, Florida Fly Fishing, Angler's Addiction Guide Service, serve, serves the Everglades and Naples area. Jeff, really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was a good good talk, and I, I learned a ton, and I loved I loved that we wrapped it up with good food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just listened to a Wisdom from the Guides episode. Fly Fishing, Southwest Florida, on Southeastern Fly. See you next time.